Hey guys, welcome into another episode of Dirt Tracker Conversations. The Chili Bowl is on tap for this week and we wanted to go ahead and get you ready for all of the action. So this week we did something a little bit different and we're doing a joint episode with the guys at the Passing Points podcast. So on this episode, it's me, Travis Ashwood, and Michael Tyree, and we talk everything Chili Bowl, guys to watch, prelim nights, all kinds of stuff on this episode. So dive in, take a listen, get yourself ready for the Chili Bowl. Please enjoy the show. All right, jumping into a special edition of Dirt Tracker Conversation. This is a crossover episode. We're, we're doing kind of a joint Dirt Tracker Conversations Passing Points episode. Uh, so obviously, these two guys on the screen with me, Michael Tyree, Travis Ashwood, uh, two of the three hosts normally from the Passing Points podcast. Lane is still, uh, what, over at the Expo Center trying to get loaded yeah. in for Chili Bowl, I think. Uh, but we're going to just jump in, and I just want to talk Chili Bowl for however long we feel like talking. So um, I've got, I wrote a few notes down, but... You guys live in the area, so kind of start me off with your own histories with the Chili Bowl. Like, how many years have you been going? Like, I, I know Travis is racing it a few times. Like, start me off with just, like, how much you guys have been around this event. Well, I mean, essentially, for me, I was born in 1988, so it's been around my whole life. Um, I didn't start going until I was a teenager, and uh, so I've been going consistently since, like, maybe 2006, 2007. Um, since I've been an adult, I've done everything I could to buy tickets every year or a pit pass. Um, so the only time I've missed in recent years was, I don't know, like four or five years ago, I had to miss uh, because somebody decided to get married during Chili Bowl week. And wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It was the cheapest time. We, we, <laughs> Would we you want, like an outdoor wedding or something? Or? We went to Honduras. <laughs> yeah. We, I got married on a beach in Honduras. Oh, okay. Good. You were yeah. married so, in Tulsa. January. Yeah. And that was the, that was the yeah. cheapest time to go. So that's when we went. <laughs> So that's the only cheap chili bowl I've missed in recent years. The, the, um, the best thing about it, though, is I can never forget my anniversary because it's always, it's always chili bowl. Chili, it's always during the chili bowl. Yep. Yeah. So, so I, I got married on New Year's Eve. So it's I always know when it comes around to New Year's Eve that that's oh, my wedding anniversary. It's, it's a smart trick for all the single guys out there exactly. that plan to get married. You use, use something so you can remember when it is. Yeah, for yeah. sure. What about you, Travis? When did you start going? It's, I, I don't know. It's It's always been here. I mean, like. Yeah. I, it's, I, how old was it? 36? What, which one are we on now? 36. 36. 36. Yeah. So I was, yeah. I, I was a year old when they first started doing it. So, I mean, it's just always been there. We've always been going. Yeah. I feel and, like it's and, interesting. Like the, for me, I, I mean, I've been around motorsports like my whole life and like Chili Bowl was always something that like I, I kind of knew about like peripherally, mm -hmm. but like until I like started working for the World of Outlaws and like, getting no Brian Dunlap and Ross Weiss and like how kind of into that event they are. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't really kind of put a lot, like, you know, paid attention a lot to what what's happened in that event. And that's like here in the last couple of years, kind of going back and rewatching, like I went back and watched what was the first year Tony Stewart won and like him 2002. And, yeah. 2002 him and Kevin Doty, like going back and yep. forth and at the end of that race, like going back and watching some of those old races and kind of getting myself up to speed on that event is like, like my own history with the chili bowl was like very small, like back to like 2016, 2017. So it's like, it's weird for you guys that it's like the complete opposite. Like you guys don't know a world without the chili bowl. And right. like, for me, it's like completely, completely new thing that I'm uh, kind of involved in. Well, it's not always been this huge, gigantic deal like it is now. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, when I was smaller, it wasn't, you know, it was like two or three nights a week. It wasn't yeah. all week long yeah. and you didn't have these 400 cars showing up. And yeah, I it, think even from the time I started going, consistently it was just wednesday through saturday you know um and now it's gotten to the point where it, rather than battling through work all week and going all six nights uh 
I, I finally decided this year, I just took vacation. Like I'm just taking the whole week off Yeah, because sure. it's just, it's so much fun. And there's so many people you see once a year, you know? Yeah, we, we did like the year we brought Ross was 2017 and I went the whole week. I think I flew in that year. There was Monday was just practice day and I got there partway through the day on Monday and then stayed the whole week. And then later on, my dad and my brother came um, and it was like, it was really fun on Saturday. Like we got up and watched Ross run the, the back of the O-Main, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning. And then we left and went and got lunch and stuff and then ended up coming back. But like we staked out our spot, like up on the deck. And since there was a three of us, like we were basically like in a rotation where it was like two of us would stay. One of us would go to the bathroom and get beers, yeah. come back. And then it was just like a constant rotation all day yeah. long of like who was getting beers and go to and the you, bathroom. You have to do that if you want to keep your spot. Exactly. It'll be gone, man. And it's crazy, like how that like deck changes like through the week. It's like on the prelim nights, it's like not too bad because like guys are kind of up and down all day and there's like plenty of space. But like come Saturday, like people like that thing is packed to the like all the way to the railing. And like you yeah. better have your spot because you're not going to yeah. have anywhere to see the race. Yeah, they live there all Saturday long. Yeah. Absolutely. And like yeah. seeing people like stake out like when I was there, like there were like people would put benches up and they would be it was like the Swindell bench or whatever. Like you weren't allowed yeah. to like mm-hmm. stand right there and stuff. It's pretty yeah. crazy how that works. Did you ever go back to the back row or back, yeah, not the back the row, top but the row. back grandstand? Yeah. Yeah. I went over there and like the, the thing that I really struggled with over there, and I, I guess maybe you just have to be um, a few beers deep before you go over there, but like, just, I feel like the fumes are really bad in that corner. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't like, I think I watched I think, maybe like a couple heat racers or something over there. Well, and I, I had to bail. There's that big exhaust unit over there. So it's pulling everything towards you and across you anyways. Yeah. It was vicious over there. Like yeah. I, I could, I couldn't make it very long. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Travis, tell me about your like racing in that event. I know you've done it a couple of times and it's like, well, the- I, I've done it once really. We, we did it tw- we, the first time we did it. Uh, we blew a motor up in our prelim heat race, what? second lap, second lap. <laughs> and we were going to change motors, but I was like, where are, I mean, we didn't have the motor there. We were going to have to change motors for Saturday. I was like, well, I don't want to work that hard to, you know, start racing during breakfast. So yeah. we just decided to skip the rest of that year and just do it again next year. And the next year we, you know, like you said, but the O main, we got, we got into our K main yeah, and just, you know, had a fun time just showing up and playing around playing race car driver. But what kind of where I wanted to go with this is like one of the things that like, you know, you hear guys talk about is like the Chili Bowl is like once a year. Right. And it's like yeah. it's not like there's weekly racing that happens at the Expo mm-hmm. Center. Like the only time you can get experiences during that week. Oh, that, that's my first lapse in a midget. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like and I mean, a lot of guys get their first laps in a midget at that mm-hmm. event. I mean, look at all the NASCAR drivers that have done that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what I'm wondering is the like, how difficult is it to like figure out what the hell you even have? Like you get a couple of hot laps and it's like then you're you know, on, you know, you you know, back then you, you, you got your full Monday, you might get two hot lap sessions and you get your hot lap session, you know, on your prelim night. But like, how do you even figure out like how to set the car up and where to run on the track? Like when you have, you get so little track time, it's insane to me that, that you'd even be able to adjust. I mean, a lot of it is just like experience and other things, dirt racing. And then you also have to just watch other people and kind of mimic what they're doing. And you can pretty much read the tracks to go know where you want to go to the bottom and top. And it's, it's 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 just like any other dirt track it's just inside of a building i mean it's you just read it and it moves too you know yeah for sure do you feel like you know the watching guys like watching brian dunlap for example like him and his dad have a couple of cars and it's like when it's their race days like they're like i wouldn't say stress but like it just feels like there's a lot happening and like turning the cars around and stuff and like did you like was that your experience where where you kind of like amped up on your prelim day 
I was pretty stressed you know, going into the day, mainly be, not. It was a lot of the unknown. I didn't know what I was getting into, you know. Yeah. But once you get to turn those first laps and hot laps or whatever, you know, and actually realize it's just a race car, it's just another track, you, you, the nerves come down. Yeah. I will say though, like one of the, the coolest feelings is sitting on the ramp. I tell yeah, Michael sure. he needs he needs to run it just so he can realize he's getting ready to roll out there with all those guys. I liked the like one of my favorite things about that is like the way they line the four wheelers up and like you basically roll forward until you put mm. your front bumper on the guy on the four wheeler in front of you. So you can yeah. kind of mm. relax for a second, but just like, even on the ramp, you can see just like how intense guys are already. And they're like kind of trying to peek through to see like what's happening or like somebody's got a phone in front of them right. so they can well, see the broadcast. Well, you're also just trying to read, see what they're doing. The uh, other cars, the race before you are exactly. doing on the track, see what lanes or lines are coming in, which where's the track migrating to, you know, just that way, you know, you're trying to get some advantage, but everybody else is doing the same thing, you know? So yeah, like, I don't sure. know, you don't know if you're getting it or not, but you just don't, also don't want to get left behind. How, how, what is that feeling like when you're like, not even to the ramp yet, but like when you're in the staging lanes and then you kind of like, I feel like some guys are in the car immediately. Some guys kind of wait to get in the car till they get up there. Like, where were you at? Were you in oh, the car I, already? Like ready to go? I've, all, I've always been one of the first ones in the car. Okay. I'm, I tell everybody I'm slow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to make sure everything's put together and ready to go. And I don't have to be stressing out about it, you know, because, I feel more comfortable knowing I'm ready to roll out. That, the other that's thing, me. That's me. I'm sure everybody else is a little bit different, but that's me and everything I get into. And I'm I like, I'm curious about the, like that experience of like sitting in the car, like either in the lanes or on the ramp. And like, you've got idiots like me that are like shoving cameras and stuff in your face. Like, are, <laughs> like, do you see that stuff? Do you see the flashes? Or are you just like locked into what you're doing? I do. I, I notice it. I mean, okay. I kind of got, I've kind of gotten with age, gotten a little bit more relaxed. I kind of, you know, kind of it's kind of so cool tight, you know so yeah though. it's like yeah it's just i'm kind of i've sitting there thinking man i wonder i wonder who that is and where i can see that picture sometimes you know yeah. like <laughs> yeah I'm like I'm a, i hope it i hope it turns out good yeah <laughs> well so what's the plan for this week when are you guys going to go are you guys going to be there every night or, or what are you thinking oh yeah we'll be there yeah i mean basically as soon as we get done recording this we're going to load some stuff up and head up there and start uh trying to set up our our booth in the trade show for the podcast uh, and then just kind of get an idea through the week. We got a, we got a mobile recording station that we're planning on taking around the pits. And you sent uh, me that picture. I'm, I'm so like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what you end up with, with this thing. Yeah. I, and I cannot take all the credit for it. Um, Haas, I don't know if you know who he is. He's from around here. Uh, voice support city raceway does a lot of stuff. I was over at his office ordering banners and stuff. And he, he gave me this idea and I was like, I love it. And I just took off with it. Um, rather than trying to, you know, go talk to guys and get them to come over to our booth in the trade show. Uh, man, we're just going to take the equipment to them. And then as long as I got somewhere, I can just plug in a 110 extension cord. We can do an interview there. And then uh, hopefully, you know, try to set up some guys still to come over to the trade show booth, maybe do some live, show, live shows over there. But uh, just, man, we're going to be there a lot. I know I took off all week. Travis took half days off, so he's going to come out every afternoon. And, and man, we'll be playing uh, – podcast trying to get interviews and stuff and then hanging out with people in between and then enjoying the races every evening as well so it's gonna be a long it. week for us what's the uh like the the trade show booth like where you guys are like what like uh, i kind of looked at the map and it's like kind of hard to tell but like are you guys going to be kind of in a high traffic area like is there are you guys going to be able to draw kind of draw a crowd where you're at i hope so i was looking at the map too it is kind of hard to tell um it looks like they laid it out a little bit different this year okay um it looks like rather than through that area there used to be a straight walk through 
Um, and it looks like they kind of made it to where you have to turn there and then go this way and then go that way. Like they they're almost system. Yeah. They made it like an S and you got to swerve through there. So it almost looks like they've forced foot traffic to walk by every boot. Okay. Um, so I think that's probably good then. Yeah. I think that's going to be good. Uh, one of the things that I feel like is great about the chili bowl is like, you guys are talking about getting there in the afternoon and people walking through the, the expo or walking through the trade show area is like, it's such a good event to go and like get a pit pass, especially like early in the afternoon when everyone is just kind of hanging out. Like there's a lot of the drivers are there. And like, I mean, there are people that you can approach that you will not be able to approach at any other point, like throughout the season, like, like you can there. And I feel like that's one of my favorite things about that event is just how like intermingled everything is. I mean, straight up, honest to God, I met Rico Abreu in the bathroom at the Chili Bowl. Yeah, and that, that's <laughs> and, the kind of thing that happens. And dude, <laughs> nicest guy, nicest guys can be. And uh, but that's exactly how it is. Um, you just you never know who you're going to run into. Um, who you're standing at the fence just comes up. You know who's going to stand up there next to you, and then you just have a quick conversation with. Uh, you're rubbing elbows you with. To look forward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're rubbing elbows with the elite in the sport all week long, and uh, even even like your Tony Stewart's and stuff. Um, there was one year I was standing there. I was talking to this guy from New Zealand. Uh, we were having a conversation and uh, he, he just so happened to have been talking to Tony Stewart before me. So I'm like kind of under this group of four and I'm talking to him and Tony's talking to this other guy and just like, it's just another day at the racetrack. So yeah. like, it's amazing how, like you said, these people, you can get a pit pass and you can go there a couple hours early and you can just mingle with the elite of the sport. Um, and and they're okay with that. They're not, you know, running from autographs or anything like that. And, and the other thing I love about the dirt tracking dirt track racing community is, um, we're also, for the most part, most of our fans are respectful of them enough that they're not just hounding them for autographs all the time. You know, they kind of wait till the time's right after the races, things of that nature. Well, that, uh, that's so. what I was going to say too, is I feel like even though those guys are walking around, they're not being hounded like Larson and bell, those guys that would be yeah. hounded at other racetracks, like inside of that building, even when it's packed, they're not getting mobbed. Like they're able to move around the building and it's like mm-hmm. not a big deal, which I, yeah. I think is absolutely great. It is. It's, um, it's almost unbelievable how uh, we can have that culture where like we understand their, their stardom and how great they are. But we also are like, we can also understand it from a distance and let them have their space and then, and then go get that autograph when the time's right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're just normal people too. Like once yeah. you start being around these people, like they're just, they're just people. Like they just have a different job than you do. You know what I mean? Like, they, like, like the, the old saying goes that my old man used to say, like, they put their pants on the same way I do. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not that different. So yeah, they that's, just, they just drive a lot, a car a lot faster than most of us. Do. Yeah. Yeah. They can just do things we just can't do. <laughs> and I mean, that's they, what, they race, they race after dinner. I race before lunch, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that this, this podcast has taught me over the last year that we've been doing this. Um, you know, I kind of geeked out over some of the big names we've had on the show, and I've, I've, I've been very thankful of that, but I've started to realize, man, these guys are just racers like, like me and Travis. They're just, they're better, but, you know, <laughs> but, they're, but they're just dudes racing cars, you know, and, and it's been really cool to meet some of these guys and chat with them, um, you know, and probably one of the coolest guys we've had a conversation with, hands down, most down-to-earth, down-to-earth person was probably Tyler Courtney. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the dude is a legit badass in anything he gets in as well, but he's just cool, man, and just awesome. Super to talk nice to. guy. Yeah, I mean, and just like cutting up like you were buddies for years. Mm-hmm. Um, just, but that that like you said, that's just how the the racing community is, and they're just guys with a race car. Yeah, for sure. 
I want to talk about like a little bit of the racing itself. And, and one thing, you know, we talk about how many entries are at the Chili Bowl. And like this year, we're right around 400 right now. We, we've broken pre-entry record and all of this stuff. But when you actually like look at the results, it's like the same guys that mm-hmm. are like yeah. winning prelim nights that are winning, you know, the races. And like if you look, Larson's won the last two. Bell's won the three before that. Rico before that. So like those three guys, the last time one of those three guys didn't win was when Clausen won in 2014. Right. And then when you look at the different owners, Larson owned his own car the last two years, but before that was Keith five years in a row. And so like the last winner uh, winning owner before that was 2014. So it's like, yeah. and then you look at pre, which was nights. Keith's brother, right? Rusty Coons. Yeah. It was like a dueling, dueling rusty like, yeah, partnership yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And then and you real look quick, at pre- just, I would say just that 2014 when Clawson won, mm-hmm. um, just to see, it was such a surreal moment to see him win that thing. And, uh, it, it was awesome to enjoy in the moment, but, you know, since he's been gone, looking yep. back on it, being there in the stands, getting to see him pull that off and, and finally be the one that dethroned Kevin Swindell. Yep. Um, that's, that's one of my favorite Chili Bowl moments of all time. So, yeah. And it's like, sorry it means, to interrupt. It, no, no, you're good. And it, and it, like, it means more, like, even once you get away with, uh, away from it. And now that you know what, you know, that, you know, yeah. the way the future happened, like it's, it's even more special. You, you're yeah. definitely right there. No, but I was going to say, so like prelim nights, Bell's won six straight and seven of his last eight Rico's won four straight and six of his last seven Larson's won four straight and grants won four out of five. Yeah. And so it's like the prelim night guys are like it's the same guys winning prelim nights. It's the same guy. It's like, yeah. How do how do we end up with the same guys every year when there's so many cars and like, even with the, like, I feel like the passing points format is like, you would think would kind of have there be more randomness. And like, there is a little bit of randomness here and there with some guys that make features and stuff, but. I mean, for the most part, it's like the same guys. I think it's just a fact that those guys are that damn good. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter the luck. Everybody says that, you know, and they know the Chili Bowls, luck of the draw with the passing points and all that. But I think you have an elite few that that crap just doesn't matter. They're going to rise to the top no matter what. Um, and, you, you know, you talk about the last several uh, prelim night winners, but I think if I remember correctly, I read that that Larson and Bell are tied with Sammy Swindell for prelim night wins now. Um, and there's a part of me that like selfishly wants the old man to get a prelim night win this year to keep that streak going just to, just as fans to keep, keep the, just see how long it can go on, you know, yeah. rather than Larson and Bell win again this year and passing. But uh, you know, he's got a tall task in front of him as well, but uh, there's been a lot of guys over the years that have won a lot of prelim nights. But uh, like you said, I think it's just like somehow, some way, they know what they're going to do in that building and they know how to get around cars. I, I want to talk about last year a little bit. And like you saw, I mean, obviously Larson wins and you know, you, we, everybody talks about the stupid screen thing. Like, I am so tired of that conversation, but like the, <laughs> you saw bell, like make a mistake, right? Like you don't see Christopher no. bell make mistakes like that. And it's like, that I feel like that's to the point where we are now between Larson and Bell inside of this building yeah. is that Bell pushed it so far and he knew he had to do something completely insane. And like I, I've heard him say since then that like he knew he was going to flip before he even got to the corner. Yeah, he's, like, I, yeah. I heard a recent interview. He said he knew middle of the backstretch he was going to flip. Exactly. Because because he said he was just he said I was six inches too high. Yeah. And, I, and that is just amazing that he can analyze it like that. But but like you said, I think we're down to the point between those two guys. Well, that it's who's going to be not perfect first. Well, exactly. let's say, what was it t- uh, two years ago when Larson made the mistake going into no, that was three years ago, three years ago, three right? years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one mistake out of the 55 laps. And it cost him his first chili bowl. Yeah. Yep. Right? Or, or Bell flips a car. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, I think, it, like you said, it's just the last couple of years, it's been between them guys and it literally has come down to who's going to be not perfect because them guys are usually perfect on that race. Well, what I will say, like, I feel like Bell is like, but like as smooth as Bell is behind the wheel. And I, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day that like when I was at Chili Bowl a couple of years ago, I was in the infield. I think it was 2018. It was when Bell won his second Chili Bowl. They went out for hot laps, I think for the pole shuffle. And <laughs> Bell came by me like literally full song in three and four. And he had one hand on the steering wheel mm-hmm. and he had, he reached up with the other hand to just wipe off his, his visor. And it like, he looked like he was sitting on a couch. Like he, like yeah. he's so smooth. And like, on the flip side, I feel like you see Larson actually make a lot of mistakes. Like Larson, you know, he's kind of all over the place, but like for whatever he's kind reason, a, he's kind of a hustler. Yeah. He's like, he very, but it's like when he does make mistakes, like it doesn't matter. Like it's yeah. weird. Like he's able to recover so quickly from mistakes. And I think that's like what the interesting kind of dichotomy between the two of them is, is I feel like Bell is usually really smooth and Larson is yeah. just kind of all over the place. It's an interesting yeah. thing. I, I remember thinking this, about the same thing about Rico Abreu one time when he, one year when he won it. I remember him running the cushion and it, he'd get the car upset and it would start to push in the center and it's gas it out and come out of it. Yeah. And he was still, he was still just so much faster than everybody doing whatever he was doing. I guess had just the car so, so tight and had so much forward bite off of it, but still just walked away from people with it. You know, and I never realized you talking about the difference between bell looking a lot calmer in a car and, and, and Larson kind of looking like he's on the edge of out of control all the time. Um, you you kind of made me think back. If you look at those two in a sprint car, I think those driving styles are emphasized in a wing sprint car as oh, well. Oh, for sure. Because you, you definitely see Larson, this move, that move real quick, just change on a dime and, and Bell's a lot more just smooth through the corner. So that's, that's I feel like too, like what we've seen out of Larson, like even just talking about the sprint car stuff is the aggression that Larson is able to have. And like Larson can be aggressive and like not just completely crash the shit out of people. But I feel like the level of aggression that we've seen out of him the last couple of years in a sprint car has kind of changed the game a little bit. And I feel like you're seeing some of the other younger guys be more aggressive because of how it's paid off for Larson. And I almost wonder, and I've talked to Blake Anderson about this too, but like where this kind of leaves like Donnie shots, because like Donnie is so smooth and Donnie will like, Donnie doesn't touch anyone. No. And I almost wonder if like Donnie's getting left behind a little bit because he won't like make some of those moves and he won't be so aggressive in the car. Like we've right. seen from guys like Larson. You know, I've, I've actually had that conversation with friends as well. I'm, I'm a big Donnie shots fan. And I've always said the man, the man can drive smoother, cleaner and on lines that nobody else can better than anybody else. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, a lot of people have blamed the Ford engine with him, but I, I, I don't blame the engine at all. I think it's more a factor of, of Ricky Warner being gone. And then just like you said, I think the sport and the driving styles has surpassed his willingness to go that direction. We've had the conversation more than once on our show about like when you go watch the midget races, it's it's slide or die. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you have to send it and not care. I, I'll be honest. I outside of the Chili Bowl and then I will go to the USAC National Race at Red Dirt Raceway here. Outside of that, even on Flow Racing, I might catch it from here from time to time but I'm not a huge fan of watching midget racing for the fact that they're just running each other over a lot. Yeah. I feel like I like the midgets because of that. I like that it's elbows out and it's coming kind of from more of a pavement background, like watching pavement late models for as long as I did. And and some of the stuff that I was involved in when I was younger, like I almost crave that contact. And I I feel like Mm -hmm. that's something you don't get in dirt racing. Like 
and I, I you obviously can't do it with open wheel cars but like even with the late models and stuff like i i don't know why those guys don't really beat on each other more and it's like i feel like that's something that's really satisfying about the midgets is that like they will elbow each other up out of the way and i know it gets completely out of hand at times um yeah. but it's something that's like frustrating to me too to watch like somebody like timez and i know everybody loves timez but like watching him move people and do crazy things and then him getting completely pissed off like when yeah. someone does the exact same things yeah. to him yeah yeah yeah. But like, but I understand like why you wouldn't want to tune in sometimes to the midget stuff because of like the way that goes down. It's a show. I mean, I, I, I like I, the midget racing, but. but I think for me and, and I, you know, going back to Donnie shots, being a clean racer and he's one of my, he's one of my all time favorite sprint car drivers. I've always tried to be a clean driver and I get extremely furious and furious when somebody you know, just sends a right rear at my left front and I got to hit the well, brakes. So keep from, and, and, <laughs> And so, like, I think that's where I, I have trouble watching it because I don't like getting raced that way personally, and it translates to me. You get angry um, because of it? Yeah, it, 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 it's <laughs> almost annoying to watch. But I will say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to watching it. I just don't – it's not like, I, oh, i got to watch the midget race tonight. Like, I'll play it in the background or something, but I'm usually not, like, totally keyed into it just because of that style of racing. But there's a lot of great races in the midget world. Uh, cannot take that away from them. The style of racing, the style of the car overall is very entertaining. Um, and it's fun to watch. And, and the six best nights of the year is at the Chili Bowl every year. And um, for whatever reason, me personally, I don't see a whole lot of the that style of racing in the Chili Bowl between the big names. You see it, I think, in a lot of the lower alphabet stuff, guys that are a little bit um, it's the desperation. more willing. Yeah, the desperation, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, when you get to the big names for the most part, they tend to respect each other a little more. And I think that's why well, I, mean, I do enjoy the chili bowl more than regular midget races. A lot of times the in the A main on Saturday night, you see long green flag runs yeah. because mm -hmm. they respect each other and they know they have to get those 55 laps down before they even start getting to where they can fight for it, you know? Yeah. And you're not going to see Grant and Pittman and, yeah. you know, Sunshine and those guys, those guys aren't going to do that stuff to each other. There's too much respect amongst those mm -hmm. groups, I think. And they also just run big races week <laughs> yeah. in and week out. So it's, you know, it's not like me going to run it. That's the biggest race I've ran, you know? And yeah, I those think guys, too, like with those the USAC midget stuff, I feel like the USAC stuff is, it's like a combination of factors, right? It's like, it's, you know, midgets are already kind of that way. And then, you know, I feel like a lot of it though is like a lot of the kids and it's, and I'm not saying kids because it's like, Oh, these kids get off my lawn, but it's more like the, the, like them knowing that they need to show something mm -hmm. and show something quickly. They put and a lot of like, pressure on themselves. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when, and a lot of them are trying to get noticed by Keith or get noticed by TRD or some of these opportunities to get moved up and they know they have to show something. And so they take chances and they make moves that they probably shouldn't make, but they're like, they feel like they have to get something done now. And I feel like that's where it comes from. And it's not so much about like, Oh, these are just shitty kids and they don't care about anything. I don't think that's true for a lot of those kids. I just think that the the situation has created this kind of monster where yeah. these kids kind of have to do something. Mm -hmm. I, I see that. I've not really considered that, but you're right. Cause that entire midget division has been bred as, um, as, as the place you need to go. If you want to go to NASCAR, if you want to take the next step in your career, you got to go through the midgets. So I hadn't really considered that just, uh, them having to prove themselves is more as is more why they're doing it than just because they're a dirty racer. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look at too like somebody like Buddy. Like Buddy comes up as a sprint car racer in, in California, and then now he's been steered into the midgets almost because like that's what the Toyota program is, right? And it's like mm -hmm. if you if you probably talk to Buddy, I would imagine Buddy probably just wants to go race sprint cars. 
but like, because of, you know, how they want you to kind of come up through that program and what's happened with Larson and bell and some of these guys over the years, it's like, that's just where you kind of get steered. And it's like, I mean, buddy is just a great racer anyway, but you know, I feel like there's a lot less of guys just kind of straight up coming through the lower sprint car ranks and moving their way up now than, than there is kind of coming up through some of the open, like, like some of the non-wing stuff, like the midgets, I feel like. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, that, that shows with buddy, um, uh, him and, uh, I think, uh, crouch putting a sprint car team together. Yep. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of information on that, but I would assume that he's still going to be a full-time, uh, Keith Coons driver, because when we had him on our podcast in November, he was talking about how he, he, he has the desire to go NASCAR racing and he's still going through that TRD program. So I'd imagine as long as he's going to that TRD program, he's going to be in a midget for Keith Coons, but even him forming his own partnership on a sprint car team, I think proves well enough that his heart probably is in sprint cars. Um, but his career path is set in NASCAR, which has to go through the midgets. Yeah. Well, from what I understand about that situation, he's still full-time USAC with Keith. And then he's still got to do like some pavement late model stuff, which he started mm-hmm. into this last year. And then he got hurt after he crashed. Um, and then he's going to kind of sprinkle in the sprint car stuff in between that. But from what I saw, they want to take like basically that deal with Crouch's dad and Bernie, like they want to go full-time World of Outlaws racing like the next year in 2023. And they, they want Buddy to be their driver. But then Ooh. obviously if Buddy has commitments with Toyota, like that's not going to happen. But right. I mean, like, can you imagine Buddy as a full-time World of Outlaws driver? Like that would be yeah. super awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I want the kid to uh, succeed and do what he wants in life, but selfishly, yeah, that'd be badass to watch. Oh, <laughs> and for I sure. hope it happens. So, I mean, it's, we, we, we have the same thing with, with Larson and Bell. Like, I mean, yeah. th- those guys went that way because that's just where you're supposed to go. But well, And see, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out right now because Casey Kane's a full-time outlaw. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's 17, 18 years too late, Yeah, but it's still, it's still awesome for me to watch, and, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of the sprint car drivers were kind of glad to see uh, Larson back in cup. Well, yeah, their money, their money situation was starting to suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of some of the young guys, like I, I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, guy like Corey Day from California, you know, talking about Gavin Boeschel, Ryan Timms, Brent Cruz, like some of these really young guys that are going to get an opportunity at the Chili Bowl this year. And, and like with them changing the age requirement, like now you don't have to be 16 anymore. Like you can apply and get in. And like, yeah, I, I feel like day Tim's Cruz, actually probably day and Tim's are probably a little bit of further along than Bochelle and Cruz are, but like, are there some young guys in the building like that that you guys are interested in seeing? Yeah. I mean, I've got Cruz on my list and Tim's obviously I've raced with Tim's this year in ASCS Tim's and Tim's is a stud. I mean, he yeah, is, like, like he's one of those guys that comes in there so fast and like, I don't understand how he took that corner twice as fast as me. It doesn't make sense. I can't drive any harder, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, he's just like, he's almost just like, get up, move, get out of my way. And, and, and even sometimes it's, it, it's like, Oh, if I could catch you, I'd give you the bumper. Cause you, you, <laughs> you, you were, you were a little bit rough there. I thought, but, <laughs> but no, like I've got him, Tim's Cruz on my list. Um, you know, out, outside of that 16 year old age requirement, I feel like there's still some other, other young drivers that, uh, could turn some heads. Chase Randall's been turning heads in a midget this year. Um, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he did something, you know, made a, made a prelim night feature, even ran strong. Um, I'm going to be watching that Steven Snyder Jr. that won the KKM give back in the Keith Coons car. I think that's an interesting um, one too. I don't, I don't actually particularly know his age, but I assume he's over 16, but I know he's fairly young. Yeah. He's pretty young. I think. Um, 
there's just there's young ones all over the board that that like I said are outside of that that 16 but um definitely for sure out of those two I've got you know the under 16 that got approved I've got Thames and uh Cruz kind of on my radar yeah just because I mean both of them set records this year for youngest drivers and um well you know Thames actually set the record for the youngest Power I national midget feature winner, and then Cruz broke that like two months later, and then mm-hmm. Tim's at the end of the season broke the USAC national record. Didn't so, Tim's do basically the same thing in uh, the ASCS national tour too? He did it back to back nights. Yeah, he did Power I midget the first night, and then ASCS right. national the next night broke national age records. When well, Tim's ended up with what like four or five ASCS wins this year, like he like kicked ass during like Speed yeah. Week or whatever. Right. He won like four of the Speed Week race, four or five. Yeah, I think yeah. he ended up into the season with four or five national wins, and like didn't even run. A small portion of the schedule and i think almost got a top 10 in points because he was so strong yeah. when he did run with them the kid's impressive um he's one that i'm looking forward to seeing on the world of outlaw tour because i think it's destined to happen um he's he's started racing a 410 last year and uh he, he was winning races you know winning some regional level shows um and then then he goes out and wins trophy cup uh his first time there um you know, I think he got a little bit lucky on the way that that invert happened, um, which was still blew my mind how that invert happened. But but I mean, that's racing. You take what's given to you yeah, and you yeah. make the best of it. And that's what he did. I mean, it's still, um, it's still no small task to go win that thing. I mean, yeah. So if I had to pick like of the young guns with the lower age requirement, I mean, Ryan Thames is my guy all day long. What do you guys think about Keith bringing what, like 15 cars, 15 or cars? He's got three a night. Now, how do you manage talk- that when we talk to him? So. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You, you actually did that show. I wasn't on that show, I don't think. Okay. Well, we talked. We, so we had Jarrett Martin, Keith Coons, uh, Buddy Kofoid's Co- crew chief on the show. And we talked about how many cars they bring to Chili Bowl. He actually said that Chili Bowl is easier on the crew than the rest of the year because all the prelim nights, and like this year, they got 15 cars. They're doing three cars per prelim night. He said, whereas in like going to a national USAC or Power I race, we might have six or seven cars racing on one night. He said, so we're actually a little less spread out on a, on a chili bowl night. And so it's a little more relaxing. And then usually he said, it's pretty decent on Saturday that they get spread out throughout the alphabet, but they're busy all day. Um, but, you know, I've seen people complaining on like Facebook chili bowl group, you know, should there be a limit on how many cars a team no. should bring? And I'm like, come on people. No, why would, why would that even be a question? There's 400 uh, you, cars in the building. Who cares if someone brings 15? Yeah. So. I think it's crazy when I saw the number, um, I was like, that is insane. But the, probably the craziest thing about Keith Coon's lineup to me this year, or the most curious thing, shall I say, is not that he brought 15 cars, but that Bell's back with him and not in a boat midget. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's happened kind of behind the scenes that I've heard about there. Uh, and it, it, like as the kind of year progressed, it seemed like that this was kind of the direction that this was going. Um, but I, I, and I feel like Bell being back is probably a good thing for his chances. I agree. And as much as, as you know, he looked pretty good with boat, like the two years that he didn't win after he won the three years, he was not in a Keith car. So now him being back in a Keith car, I feel like that might be, you know, what puts him back over the edge again, like going up against Larson. But I mean, bell had the sprint car that he got rid of bell was keeping his stuff at boats. That's not happening anymore. Bell has his own shop. So something obviously happened there kind of that we don't know about, but I mean, if he wasn't going to race for a boat, I don't, you know, I don't know that it makes sense that Bell was going to race for anyone else, especially with how tied in Bell is with TRD. Yeah. Is that a little bit of a, 
a little bit of a show of what your pick for the win would be? Uh, potentially. I, I almost wonder if we're not in line for somebody to break out here and beat Bell and Larson. And I don't know exactly who it could be. I, I feel like some people are talking about Grant, and I right. certainly don't hate that pick at all. I think Grant has been was good at least at the end of the year. And like the one thing I wonder about Larson is like at the end of the year when he went out to California, like he wasn't quite as good out there in the midget as, as I thought he would I, be. And like, I, and I know running a midget out in California is like not the same thing as as you know what the Chili Bowl is going to be, but I feel like the door might be cracked like just a little bit for mm-hmm. somebody else to step up and have a shot here. I think so. Um, some of the names off the top of my head, like first name is Justin Grant. Obviously, everybody's have has him in their conversation. If Timez can put a good smooth week together, he's definitely capable. That, that'll get that'll get the stands going. Um, and then yeah, a guy the like crowd would I mean, love that. Yeah, Tyler Courtney. Um, I don't think you can count him out. Cannon McIntosh is one I would pick to be strong too. Yeah. I like Buddy then, too. I was gonna say, oh I yeah, just, yeah, you're Buddy, right. Buddy was next on my list. Like I feel like. As far as a national midget guy goes, like and he being in a Keith car, Keith, Keith Coons car in that building, um, he's the next logical choice. Um, but there's just so many other guys, Wyndham wise, uh, uh, Thor, Thorson. I mean, there's so many guys that, like you said, the door, if it's cracked open just a little bit, some of these guys could go through and bust it open. You know, yeah. one that we're not thinking about, but would actually be a good sh- or good for the fans too, would be Bacon. Yeah. I mean, he could very easily win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you saw what he was. He damn near won the BC thirty nine this year. I mean, he was yeah. right in the mix with those guys mm-hmm. too. Like that, that's definitely a name that you could do. Do you guys do pool picks? I don't. I, I've never gotten into it. No. What about you, Travis? Nope. Never done the chili bowl pool. I nope. haven't. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought like about everybody does this. I fig- I, I I figured with as many times as you guys have been, you guys have been neck deep in this thing. No, man, I haven't. And that's the crazy part is like I, I sometimes I ask people like, oh, how how's it work? How's it scored? And I've never really gotten a full understanding of I, it. I literally then, have the sheet like sitting in front of me right now. Yeah. So yeah, no, I've never never gotten into it. Um, uh, one of these days I will, but I haven't yet. I I, the- I, I kind of got sucked into it with Ross several years ago, and it's like the the opportunity, like it's like the the reason you play like fantasy football, right? Is it's like it kind of draws you into like mm. all of the other stuff, and it's like trying to track your picks like throughout the week. I think it's super fun, but like I'm never gonna like do well in it because like I'm not like the guys that seem to do well. And like, I, I used the, the couple of years that I did go to Chili Bowl, like watching the early in the week stuff where the guys are like sitting in the stands and then like, they're going around and like talking to like all of the drivers trying to like make notes about who the hell to pick and like which group. And like, I mean, I just like, I'm not going to take it that far, so I'm not going to win, but, yeah. but yeah, like, and that was like something in, in looking at some of the groupings, that was kind of the other thing that I had on my list a little bit is like, the kind of respect or lack of respect that some guys are getting in some of the groups. And I feel like somebody that I think is probably getting a little too much respect in the groupings is chase Elliott. And I'm curious, like what you guys think about okay. chase. Like, I think he's probably in too high of a group for where he's at in a midget, yeah. but like, what do you guys think about some of the guys like him or like Santino Ferrucci or like Connor Daly come into this deal? So I'm 100% for this. Um, I've had rants on our podcast about um, I'm complaining I'm griping at dirt track fans who complain and moan that these guys shouldn't be here. They need to stay. Oh, from. I am completely against all of that. I hate this, that. This is 100% great for the sport that he's here yeah. because I guarantee you there's a ton of Chase Elliott fans had no clue what dirt track racing was. And they, some of them probably watched and didn't like it. Some of them probably watched and they've been, and they probably bought flow racing after that. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Chase Elliott ran a national midget race at USAC or the USAC midget race at Red Dirt Raceway last year. I went to that race. I kid you not. I saw at least at least 30 Chase Elliott T-shirts in the stands that were NASCAR T-shirts mm-hmm. um, and then hats. And it was just apparent that he's he's NASCAR's most popular driver for a reason. Um, and the guys like him, Connor Daly, Santino Ferrucci. I love the fact that they came to the Chili Bowl once. What, what really sets it apart for me is the fact that they're continuing to come. And even Chase Elliott has opened himself up to ridicule from people. He's not doing, not, you know, he's, he's not lighting, lighting, he's not lighting the world on yeah. fire. Um, well, I don't think you can expect him to do that. I mean, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a midget five times a year. But there are a bunch of people that don't know yeah. about dirt racing. When they watch it, they expect him to beat up on all the smaller guys. Yeah, and it's just like the realize, Kyle Bush at the Tulsa shootout yeah, thing. I was just yeah. about to bring that up. Yeah. Like, people just have unrealistic expectations. Oh, he's so much better than... And even Kyle Bush went on Twitter and defended, and he was like, I'm not better than these guys. You know, these guys are good. It's a completely and different I, discipline. It is mm-hmm. a completely different oh, yeah. discipline. Just the fact that they're doing it and trying to get better at it is fantastic for the sport. Um, I think some people do give them too much respect for their name. Uh, their name's not going to win the race. Um, but just the fact that they're there, I'm very appreciative of it. And, and I love it. That probably works a little <laughs> bit like how like Vegas betting odds work. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you see this big team, like people are more likely going to bet on the Yankees than they are, you know, another team. It's probably kind of the same thing. We see this name, we recognize it. We'd, yeah. we'd bet money on this because we know who they are. Yeah. yeah. The other name kind of in here that I, I think w- didn't get enough respect is Ryan Newman. Like for all of the things that yeah. Ryan Newman has done, like in open wheel dirt racing for him to kind of be a little further back in this, I was a little surprised at how far back he is. Like, where do you guys think about somebody like him in terms of this race? Like, I feel like he, if he got hot, like I would not be shocked to see him like, you know, maybe winning a C into a B on Saturday, yeah. like maybe an outside shot. Like, I, I feel like he's the, has the talent and the experience to be able to do that. So I'm a guy that I think once a dirt racer, you're always a dirt racer. Um, I've loved flow racing last year when they started the 24 seven and I'm watching all these mid to late nineties USAC races where with Tony Stewart and Ryan Newman and things like that. And like, I'll be honest, I had forgotten how much of a badass Ryan Newman was. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really exciting to see him back in a midget for myself personally. Um, but I do agree with you. I think like he could get hot. I think the talent's still there. I think if, if everything comes together and I think as he continues to keep running these races and get more familiar with it and the kind of the muscle memory back to it, um, it wouldn't shock me one, one bit at all. Like you said, if he made a run and got, got into the show and was running the main event on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see the tweet from Matt Weaver? He was talking to Connor Daly about chili bowl stuff and Connor mentioned that Roman Grosjean, Oh, like four oh, yeah. Formula One drivers interested in Chili Bowl and BC39. Like, how badass would that be for Roman yeah. Grosjean to show up at the Chili Bowl? So I was actually listening to your podcast uh, when you talked about that. Yeah. And I was actually pulling into a customer, and I immediately paused the podcast, called Travis, and I said, hey, I'm about to walk into a customer, but I got to tell you this before I forget to. Yeah. Just heard on Dirt Tracker Daily that Roman Grosjean is talking about running a midget in the BC39 in the Chili Bowl. I was pumped up about it. Hell yeah. Because because of the exact same thing we just got through talking about. The cross exposure is fantastic for everyone. To have a name like that who was on at a world level talent, Formula One driver wanting to come to the Chili Bowl is awesome to me. And uh, I hope it happens. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, it's pretty awesome that somebody like that is like <laughs> Again, like from my own experience, like how little I used to know about the Chili Bowl and where I'm at now, it's like you, you, 
you you forget or you don't realize like how like for us that are like in it like you know the only thing we think about is dirt racing right so it's like you yeah. forget that there are other people that aren't like super locked into this stuff mm -hmm. but it's the fact that somebody like him has had conversations with connor daly about going and running this race yeah. i think is uh, is pretty cool and it shows you like the power of this event and like just like how kind of far and wide uh, the the chili bowl reaches when it comes to like the world of motorsports i think yeah i mean you think about it we've had we've had nascar drivers sports car drivers indy car drivers now drag you got racers. a formula i say drag racers you've got a formula one driver talking about it um it's just it's unbelievable how um this isn't just the biggest race in dirt tracking it's one of the biggest races in motorsports and that that golden driller means something across all of motorsports and that's impressive that, that was my kind of my question you know since we live here it's you know it's the biggest race in this state or but from outside does it still kind of feel like it's kind of like a hidden gem or do people st are starting to realize it or do they realize it's a big deal or how's what what's the perception outside of here? i honestly think that it's like getting bigger and bigger and people are starting mm -hmm. to recognize it and it's like you know you start having like people like Steve Post talking about this being a bucket list event and wanting to go and, and, you know, the, the, the NASCAR talent that's starting to show up. And it's something that like happens to me all the time inside the NASCAR garage. And like, there's a lot more guys now that work in the NASCAR garage that used to work on sprint cars and late models and things like that. But like the conversations you end up having, like in, like on a Sunday before a cup race, people coming up to you, man, did you see that sprint car race last night? Did you see this? Did you see that? Like there's, it seems to me that there is a lot more attention on just dirt racing as a whole. And then obviously, you know, you start talking about Knoxville and the Chili Bowl and some of the bigger events um, that there is more attention on these events and, th and that they are kind of growing. And, and I think you see that even like with Chili Bowl tickets, like how I feel like it's getting really, really difficult to get Chili Bowl tickets now. And like you, you start talking about like Bristol back in the day where like it used to be Bristol to get tickets to the night race. Like you had to have somebody die because you just couldn't get them. And I feel like right. Chili Bowl is kind of getting close to that. It is. Like it, I mean, you cannot get a reserved seat at the chili bowl. And then, you know, if you want to go, like, obviously they're going to keep selling pit passes until they can't sell pit passes yeah. anymore. But like, so, so you can still get into the building, but to try to get a reserved seat, I feel like it's difficult. I, I looked into my reserve seat. Um, I bought the same tickets from a guy for like six years straight. And finally one year he said, you know what? I'm never going to use these seats again. Do you want me to just sign these over to your name? Yeah. And I was like, yes, please. So I got my two seats and never had to go through the waiting process because um, at the Chili Bowl, you can sign tickets over or or grandfather them to somebody else if something happens to you. But yeah. it is one of those type of events. You wouldn't think about it, but like you said, Bristol Night Race, I imagine Indy 500 is the same way. Like yep. there's there's season tickets, so to speak, that that go down from family member to family member or stay within the family for many, many years. Yeah. I, th I feel like, too, you're, you're seeing that just generally around dirt racing that like there's more attention on it than ever. It's it's growing and and. You know, people want it to be on network television and all of this type of thing. And I don't think that will, I don't think we'll get to that point. I, I, you no. know, I think there's an outside chance that you could see it maybe be something like a Supercross or something like that. But I feel like oh. the streaming services have really helped. And I, I feel like that's kind of the future is in, it's like, yeah. it's such a good business model. Like you look at a company like World Racing Group and what they've been able to do for their racing series, basically based on the money they're making off of Dervision. And then like all of the money that flow has pumped into, you know, USAC and all the tracks that they follow. Like I, it just like it's manageable and they can control the money flow and all of these things. And it just, I feel like it makes a lot of sense for like the future of dirt racing to kind of be on streaming. And I feel like now the biggest thing is just keeping the cost down as much as we can and try to lower that price point because you're going to drag more people in yeah. if it's less expensive to get in. And I kind of wish a little bit, like I, I know why flow does what they do. I wish that, that they had a, a monthly option 
I got a little bit lower price point, just like Dirt Vision does. So you could maybe suck some more of those people in and then convince them. And like, and I know right. from a business standpoint, it makes a lot more sense for them to do it the, the 150 bucks a year. But yeah. I do wish that there was that lower opportunity for them to get in. Yeah, I think I think you're completely right on and on the streaming being the future. Um, one example, Chili Bowl coming up, you know, they're on live on live TV, on network TV, Mav TV on Saturday night. And, and to be honest, um, like Mav TV ruins Saturday night. And like, I'm sorry to say that, but like the, if you are in the building, Mav TV completely kills it. Like all the track work, all the downtime, like it is so, that run, that event is run so efficiently all week long until you get to what, like the D's on Saturday. And then the it's C's, like, yeah. it is insane how bad that event get, like falls off from there trying so, to get to the A feature. You just took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly where I was going with that it was. Like if people would just the people that think they want dirt track racing on network TV, if they would just think about Saturday night at the Chili Bowl yeah. and think, do you want your racetrack every Saturday night to be ran like that? Oh. You don't because you're going to quit selling tickets. People, fans are going to quit showing up. Yeah. The only reason they're still doing it now is because it's one of the biggest events in the world for yeah. midget racing, dirt track racing in general. Um, but it does. It sucks being in the stands there and having an hour in between C's and B's or, or um, just so they can get their four hour time slot on television or whatever like i said it is such an efficient event that they have to uh do what the network television wants them to do uh, it's almost a shame i know a lot of people enjoy being able to watch it on map tv but i just assume to be able to finish out the entire week on flow racing you've already paid for it anyways um and so i just i wish that people would think about that one particular example as it on if they really want network television involved in their racetrack or not yeah and I think too, the dirt racing, I, I feel like even if you have like a really efficiently run program that it's difficult to put on TV, like in a decent window. And it's like, if things happen, you have red flags, there's weather. Like, I feel like it's a really difficult proposition. And, and even for me, like on the streaming services, like I don't watch a lot of races live. Like I'll probably tune into a lot of the chili bowl stuff live, but like through the year, like this year I watched like every Lucas race, every water Valley light model race, sprint car race, all the USAC stuff. I mean, I watched everything, but like I watched hardly none of it live. And it's like, I'm going to go back the next day when I can fast forward to the parts I want to see. I want to watch the feature. If there's a crash, I can skip forward, you know, past the cleanup and all of that type of stuff. Cause like that way I can watch it in a much more condensed window. And I feel like putting that stuff on TV is going to hurt the, the at track product. And it's like, I, I just don't know that it works like in a very rigid kind of box of yeah. being in a certain time slot on television. Yeah. So. You know, I know we're, we've, we've went pretty long so far. We're pushing an hour, but yeah. um, I did want to, I kind of did some homework myself and I kind of wanted to, uh, I felt a little bit uh, pressured because I know you're an analytical and a stats guy. So I wanted to be prepared. <laughs> I wanted to be prepared for you, um, but I did want to have the conversation um, I kind of want to talk prelim nights. Um, I don't know if you have a, a list of the driver breakdowns per night um, or not, but I do because um, it's on the Chili Bowl sheet. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious if let's just talk uh, potential lock-ins each night, uh, you know, winner, second place, um, you know, just some of the, I've got a list of some, what I consider some of the big names that night uh, threats, I think to win that night. And then uh, let's maybe throw out some dark horse picks each night. Um, but I will say starting off, um, if you're racing Tuesday night, that sucks. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's at least, there's gotta be a good 30 people that usually lock into their prelim night feature on Tuesday. The, the list on Tuesday night is just insane. Yeah, it's crazy. And like, I mean, just the fact that Larson is on Tuesday, I think is, 
you know, kind of ends it for everybody else. Like I, I, you know, there's no reason why Larson won't win that race. And like, you look at the chili bowl pool, the group one for Tuesday is Courtney Beeson and Kofoid. And so yeah. it's like, those are the, those are the group one guys. And that doesn't even include Larson. So it's like, how do you get two guys out of that group? And then you add Timez, you add Alex Bright, Zach Dom, Chris Windham, Zeb. I mean, like yeah. that is a vicious night. Yeah. It's insane. And so um, you're going to end you're going to end up with guys that are going to be BC's D's like from that group of drivers yeah. that yeah. are going to be trying to run, you know, and like a lot of these guys were in the Saturday feature last year. Like, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure it's happened before, but this is one of the most stacked nights I can recall. Like, I, I mean, it is nuts. And like, you know, you look at some of these other nights, I feel like, you know, there's still some other good nights for sure, but yeah. But I, you know, like Tuesday is just murderer's road night. And, yeah. and the, the fact that they're only taking two cars out of there is, is yeah. pretty wild. I, I feel like if I was looking at the entire week right now and I had to pick a night, I want to race Monday night. Yeah. Um, I feel like Monday night, like to me, I think the top dog Monday night is probably Cannon McIntosh. Yeah. Uh, a couple other names, Jerry Coons Jr. I could see David Gravel putting a run together. Um, he's, he's looked decent at times in the midget. Um, kind of one of my dark horse picks for Monday night. Like, and it's kind of maybe like a, uh, uh, guilty, selfish hope that I, I want Nick Hoffman to yeah. be very successful in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked great at Gateway. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping he's on a good team. So I've got, I've got Nick, Hop, Nick Hoffman listed as like my top dark horse for that night. What was the story about Hoffman last year? Like something broke and he was like using like the throttle or something with his hand. I can't remember exactly. I can't remember exactly what the story was, but he was like one hand in the wheel for like an entire heat race or something and like running something else with his other hand or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember either. It, I think it uh, might have been like the throttle pedal linkage broke and it, he was it would be possible with the uh, with, yeah, the, with the, the cam there just to hit hit it and use your throttle with yeah, your right the bell hand. crank. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along those lines. But yeah, Hoffman is like like you saw what he did at the dome, right? Like he's he's yeah. running well in the midget, then he gets in the modified and wins, and he's running good in the late model. Like yeah, he's definitely a guy, I think, on a national level that probably doesn't yeah. get quite enough respect. And I and I think that's probably the case just because he's always just running a modified and everybody like he just dominates on the modified. So like people yeah. don't think about it like that. But he's definitely one of the most talented guys, I think, in the country right now. And some other no- big names, notable names at least that you got, you know, on Monday night. You got Chase Briscoe, Chase Elliott. Alex Bowman, Cole Bodine, and I list Chase Elliott like we talked about earlier. I don't necessarily consider him a threat yet. No, um, for sure. But, he, but he's just a big name. Yeah, it'll um, be fun to watch anyway. Yeah, I kind of got on Monday night like my top three to watch: Cannon McIntosh, Jerry Coons Jr., and David Gravel. Um, I would throw. It, I would maybe throw Mitchell Moles in there. I, like yeah, him being in a Matt Wood car. Um, I think he's definitely a talented kid, and and you know you know, winner at the shootout and I, you know, he's, he's still young. I think there's op- still opportunity that for there, you know, for him to get better there, but I definitely think he's a guy that you could see maybe make a little noise this week. Yeah. So well, moving, <coughs> excuse me, moving to Tuesday night. Um, I think anybody's crazy if they don't have Kyle Larson at the top of their list. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but just to continue to talk about how stacked this night is some other just big names and midgets, Jake Newman, Tyler Courtney, Timez, Jonathan Beeson, um, I feel like Tim McCready can still be a threat if it, yeah. if, if it comes together for him. Um, Sam Hayfertip Jr. has showed some promise in a midget. Um, another big name, not necessarily a threat yet, but Santino Ferrucci, then Buddy Kofoid. Uh, Jake Swanson, he could pull something out. You know, he's a very talented driver. I mean, shots. Um, Chris Windham, Zeb Wise, shots. I mean, the list just goes on. Um, I, I've got Kyle Larson on the top, but, man, my list for second – it could really, for me, it could be anybody, Courtney, Timez, Beeson, Kofoid, Wyndham, Wise, and the list can go on. 
Yeah. Um, second to me is just going to be probably a, probably one of the best battles of the week could, could end up being for second on Tuesday night. Yeah. Well, and somebody else here, he's, he's a little further down, but a guy who's been in multi uh, multi-time feature starter, uh, world of outlaws race director, Mike Hess, uh, also on Tuesday. And like, ah, if things yes. go well, we we've seen Mike Hess make some runs as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know that he's going to be, a you know, a top five guy in that prelim night feature, but I could definitely see him running halfway decent in that, in the, yeah. on that Tuesday night as well. I've got a, uh, for a dark horse for Tuesday night, I've got Alex bright listed. Yeah. He's uh, like, he's so talented. He's like another one. Yeah. Like he's a regional guy that just doesn't get enough respect. I think right, exactly. Kind of nationally, but obviously does very well in his kind of part of the country. And, and, you know, like, um, it, uh, he races a lot against, and actually he's on the same night as well as Briggs Danner. Like Briggs is, is a, is a kid from the Northeast that runs really well, you know, also. So he's, he's definitely somebody I think you could keep an eye on there on Tuesday yeah. also. Absolutely. Um, I'm pretty much from Tuesday on the name. I mean, like I said before, Monday night's where I would want to be if I was picking a night. Uh, yeah. Wednesday night, you got Sammy Swindell, Brad Sweet, uh, Kevin Thomas Jr., Blake Hahn, Damian Gardner, Ryan Timms. Um, you know, Ryan Timms, I, I have him listed as a threat to potentially win the night. Um, um, but I think I think this particularly this night might end up being Wednesday night might end up being the one where we could get somebody like a new prelim night winner. Yeah, I feel like um, Wednesday could be one of the most entertaining nights. Yes. Yes, I agree. I mean, I've got, you got, I think you can see Sweet, Kevin Thompson Jr., Blake Hahn. I, I still think Sammy can be competitive. Uh, Damian Gardner, Ryan Timms. Um, I got a dark horse. My dark horse for Wednesday night, I think, is to is for is Chase Randall. Um, I really think he can be pretty, pretty potent in a midget when he wants to be. Well, I think um, you, you go a little deeper even. I think, you know, you've got like a guy like Mario Clauser won the war title this year. Yeah. I mean, Robert Dalby's on this night. Um, and like, you also have Parker Price Miller. Yeah, PPM is in there. Like the, the the on the Chili Bowl pool, like Group Three to me is like a really interesting group here. And like to try to pick one name out of out of this group: yeah. Justin Peck, Brody Roa, Chase Randall, Corey Day, Caden Brown, Ryan Timms, Tyler Thomas, and Anthony Macri. Like that is a really wild group to try to pick one name out of. And so like, yeah, I definitely think that we could have a very entertaining night on Wednesday for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Thursday. I've you know you got Spencer Baston, JJ Yaley, Jason McDougal, Brady Bacon, Logan CV, CJ Leary, Christopher Bell, um, many more names. Um, I think your top top guy that night is probably going to looking at Christopher Bell, but um, yeah, I, I think I think you could really see Logan CV put a good run together in the Swindell car, yeah, um, and probably get that second lock in on Wednesday or on Thursday night. I'm sorry. Yep, I like Emerson. You know he's on that he's on Thursday. Uh, you know, him kind of teamed up now with, with, uh, Clausen Marshall, I think is a great pairing, you know, Thorson is always going to be good. He's on that night. Yep. Um, and I, I like I miss Shane. Thorson. Yeah. I like Shane Golubic a lot. Shane was going to yep. have a really great prelim last year and kind of ended up getting screwed. Um, yep. but I, I think Golubic is really talented and, and is always good when it comes to this event. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some good night, uh, good guys on this night. Cruz, Brenham Crouch, uh, yep. on Thursday, you know, you go so some local guys that run really well with the chili bowl, Andrew deal and Matt Sherrill, both could be some potential dark horses to make some good runs. Yeah. One and Daniel Robinson is, is on this night as well. Daniel was a, uh, was oh. a hero last year with the, uh, <laughs> the finger. <laughs> if uh, how about his uh, kids, his kids, junior sprint at the shootout. Did you see that? I didn't see that one. Oh, his kids, uh, junior sprint at the shootout was a baby blue, uh, it was a channel lock, Sammy throwback. Oh, nice. Number one. That's and awesome. They, they interviewed the kid and, they, and, uh, and Scotty said, are you a big Sammy Swindell fan? He's like, um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. So yeah, he's, he's, uh, 
playing that out still a little bit this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What about um, Friday? Man, Friday. I I think Friday night's Justin Grant's night. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my threat, you know, Justin Grant, Casey Kane, Pittman, uh, Klaus Meyer, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is racing that night, Ryan Newman as well. But some of my threats, Justin Grant, Darren Pittman, Tucker Klossmeyer. Um, I think Ryan Bernal's a threat. Uh, he's always fast around there. Yep. Um, kind of a, my dark horses, maybe like a Bryant Wiedemann, Andrew Felker's got potential. Ace McCarthy's had some good runs. Uh, got Casey Schumann on my list as well. He's, he's a will man that can make some things happen. What about um, Frank? Frank Flood? Frank Flood. Yeah, I haven't. I had him on my dark horse list. Um, man, the kid's a shoe. He yeah. is. Um, he's in a decent car, too. He's in a, no, he's in a good car. Yeah, he's in yeah. a good car. Um, it would, I, I'll put it to you this way. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, like, I, I wouldn't be shocked because I think he has the potential for a run like that for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's so many names. Like, I feel like you can go through that list all day long and go, what about this kid? What about this kid? Um, we all, we also got to make sure we throw Lane Goodman out because oh, he's, yeah. he's right. Is Lane on Friday? Yeah, yeah. Lane's on Friday. So, <laughs> nice. Lane, Lane Goodman's my number one dark horse for Friday night. <laughs> Lane's going to be, a, uh, he's going to be uh, a, a lock-in on, uh, on Friday. We're, we're calling yeah. it right now. We're calling it right now. So, um. I just want my photo taken on the stage with him. That's all I want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I do want um, Darren Pittman, man. I want him to win the Chili Bowl so bad. Yeah. Um, just local guy. Our here. Charger last year too, twentieth to fifth. Yeah. And uh, the year he almost won it or had a chance at winning it and got second, um, somebody made me go on a cruise so they could get married. <laughs> but uh, so I missed that. Yeah. So his, you know, one of his best runs at the Chili Bowl, I missed. So <laughs> I need, I need a repeat of that so I can witness it in person. I took. I, Took him on vacation. <laughs> I, I paid for it myself. <laughs> so, but I just think, man, <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be crazy just to think about every since that they've changed uh, where we added Monday night and it's, it's down to top two lock in instead of the podium. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's gotten that much tougher to uh, really even just predict. How can you go from 70 cars a night and try to just sit here and guess two. the top two guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be difficult, I think, to uh, to try to figure out who's going to win on an alley basis. I wonder too about, you know, like some of the other guys that like, and, and I feel like Pittman is even kind of in this, but like some of the guys that aren't racing as much anymore, and like even a guy like Stenhouse, like Stenhouse se seems to be pretty good every time he comes to the Chili Bowl, but he's not running a ton of dirt races a year. Right. You know, Pittman obviously was massively scaled back this year with his schedule, um, and like you know, there's I feel like there's just a lot of names in here, even like uh um i mean brady like brady doesn't run a ton of midget races anymore and and you know you look at like uh alex bowman like the, the guys he's bringing like you know you know he's gonna have good stuff like you know could right. could uh cj or or a swanson like do something in, in one of his cars i don't know like it just it's very very deep i feel like and the, there's gonna be somebody to come out of like one of these groups and and shock us a little bit i think i yeah. you know it happens every year but but to try to predict who it is i think is incredibly difficult and I think I'd rather have it that way rather than it oh, be yeah. predictable. I'd rather yeah, yeah. have that shocker. I'd rather have that guy go, did not see that coming, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, I feel like too, you, you get guys like a bright or somebody like that. Who's, who's a good regional driver. Who's going to come through on one of these nights and, and do something yeah. that, you know, that those of us are really locked in are not going to be surprised by, but there's going to be other people who are going to be like, who yeah. the hell is this guy? I've never heard of this guy before. I, I will say after 
after the alphabet soup run that Jason McDougall had last year, yeah. I'm hopeful that he has a great like prelim night. And do we think and, Bernal gets booed like at any point? Like does that I, cont- does that carry over from last year? I don't think it I does. don't think it does because I already forgot it was Bernal. <laughs> I might not <laughs> okay, have. Then. I well, might. I might not have had him on my list if I'd have remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think he does. I. I don't. I would be willing to bet the majority of the fans didn't realize who it was. They just booed him. At, who booed that car that was on the record at that time? And okay. how about that? Was that not epic? That tow truck driver. They're wrecked in turn three, and rather than just taking him right off the ramp, he t- does a Polish victory. Oh no! You got to go all the way around. <laughs> like that. That record driver right there deserved a golden driller that yeah. day. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, I, I want to ask you, it's completely off topic of Chili Bowl, but I, I, and I, I texted you about this, but I want to ask about your role this year, uh, Michael, with, with the OCRS and, and kind of getting an opportunity. Like, are you still going to race while you do that? Are you like, what, what does that look like right now? I say yes. My wife laughs. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be a busy schedule. Uh, right now, I think I've got. 39 races scheduled that I'm going to be a competition director of um, between the oil capital racing series and the United sprint league, which is the, uh, it used to be USAC wingless sprints, Oklahoma, um, Terry Maddox and Kerry Gorby have purchased that as well. Um, and we're reverting the rules back from an open motor series to uh, back to the Oklahoma champ sprint and the IMCA three Oh five series rules package that oil capital racing series runs. Um, so it made sense to kind of put both of those series um, on my shoulders uh, to help with. And I wanted to, um, I really enjoy non-wing racing. I don't do it anymore. Uh, just kind of the risk versus rewards not there for me. So being a part of a non-wing series is going to be awesome. Um, but having 39 races uh, where I'm going to have to work rather than race is going to be kind of a culture shock, but I'm looking forward to the change for sure. Um, I've been putting, been plugging all the schedules into a spreadsheet, trying to figure out what races I'm going to be able to race. Um, if I wanted to and threw in a few midweek shows, but like raced a Friday night and then worked on a Saturday night, I could still get upwards of 20 races in this season. Um, I won't race that many because I'm, I'm going to try to do some family stuff in between, not try to be that busy. Um, but I'm hopeful that I'm going to race about 12 to 15 races, um, which is pretty on par for me anyways, because I ran 11 races this year. I ran nine last year, I ran 14 the year before. Um, I've been, I'm quite a few years removed from running 25 to 30 shows a year locally. Um, it just, it, as I get older, it gets harder to work a full-time job and do all that stuff. Um, but now apparently I'm going to try to do it with another job on the side. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Tell me about Terry. I, he, I had him on not long ago, and I, I feel like a, a big problem I feel like facing kind of dirt racing as a whole going forward is just how old some of the people are that are in charge of a lot of the stuff, the series and the tracks and things like that. And like yeah. in the middle of all of this, like Terry is completely the opposite of all of that. Like Terry's a young guy. He's come up quickly, I feel like. And he, like, I mean, who starts racing series? Like when they're in high school, like, I mean, like, yeah. the stuff that this guy's done, but like, yeah. wh- where, where do you see Terry kind of fitting in with all of the stuff? And like, where do you think you see Terry going in the, in the kind of, in the coming years? I think Terry's a future hall of famer. Okay. I, I, and, and I'm not saying that to suck up cause he's my new boss. Um, I, I was bragging about him last year. The kid is a racers promoter. And, uh, I texted him the other day when he added, uh, a race at Belleville High Banks for the now 600 speed week through Nebraska. They're coming, I think, back into Belleville, Kansas, but they're going to run on the little track. Um, but I texted him. I said, dude, the series you started when you were a teenager in high school just booked a race at the Belleville High Banks. I'm like, that's in- incredible. And he's like, dude, it's crazy to think about. But I honestly think that with what he's doing, um, like you said, the youthfulness that he's bringing in the sport um, is something that drew me to him. And, and that's actually what started our conversations of me being involved. 
Um, and, and I've had people talk to me about my new role with OCRS and they've said the same thing about me. Um, it's nice to get some youthfulness back in the sport. Um, I think people, nothing against our older promoters and our older directors, but they get a bit stagnant and they're a, a lot of times resistant to change. Um, and sometimes things just need change, not only for the racers, but for the fans as well. And uh, Terry does a great job of that. He takes care of the racers. I've never seen a guy, um, at least in my lifetime, that looks like he cares about the racers as much as, as Terry does because he's all the time doing, um, you know, if you come race with me on this Friday night, I'll pay for your pit pass for our second show at this other track on Saturday night. Or um, if you race this week, you race for free next week. I've seen him give away tires. I think I've even seen him pay for teams hotel rooms if they want, you know, would come up and race this two day show. Um, the guy puts more money back in the racers pockets than, than I've seen a lot of people do. Um, and I think he's, he still wants it to be better. The conversations we've had, um, we both want some of the pay and at least of the series I'm involved in uh, to be better, but he's, he's like, Hey, we just got to start here. We can't do too big of a chunk at once. We got to start here, build it up, show people that it's worth it. And then we can get more to them. Um, but the, the, like I said, man, he's, he's impressive for what he does at such a young age. Um, it's, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to remember that, that, <laughs> excuse me, that he is so young. Um, I think he's 24, 25 yeah. and he's done so much in such a short time um, and that he would be, I mean, a, a guy like Emmett Hahn had enough respect for him and trust in him to pass down his legacy to him. Um, and I think that in itself says a lot about who Terry Maddox is. Yeah. I'm excited to see what Terry does. Travis, what are you going to do this year? What, what's your schedule look like? Well, well, I, I got a, I got a two-year-old son. <laughs> yeah. And so that's taken up a lot more time than it used to. And we're, we're going to put a car together, go, run some local stuff and then we're going to go try to hit some OCRS races and just kind of just kind of run around here in this area but Travis is actually going to be the first car I'm going to disqualify as yep. a competition director. Yeah. Perfect. I I, to I told him when he got hired I got to stop telling him how I'm cheating. Now. I was going to say we know he's been cheating this whole time so yeah. Yeah. We, we don't we don't hang out as much anymore yeah. now. I said I'm <laughs> no, just going joking. I'm just going to make a blanket statement and be like oh wow he disqualifies his best friend you know we not mess around. Put with it him. in the box but, Travis you got to be done. But really just like we have past couple of years. I mean, we ran for a track championship in 18. And after that, it was kind of, we just go play around with local stuff and OCRS and stuff. Just hit and miss some races. Have I seen that you guys have put some other people in your car at some various points? Uh, I have. I've put Joshua Shipley out of Arizona in my car um, for some of the, like I said, mentioned earlier, I don't race non-wing anymore. It was part of my car last year. Uh, yeah, it was actually <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, we were in a predicament this year where, um, it didn't work out that I had the motor for the race, but I had the car and Travis junked his car, but had a motor. <laughs> so we teamed up this year and, uh, Josh Shipley still came in. Uh, he's a ASCS, uh, Santan desert non-wing sprint car champion from Arizona. And, uh, yeah, we put him in my car the last couple of years for our big non-wing race here in Oklahoma. We got a 55 lap, uh, Ironman challenge as they call it here. Um, 55 lap non-wing race here at Creek County Speedway in Oklahoma. And, uh, and we really enjoyed doing that this past year. It was, uh, what was it? 10,000 to win. It's 10,000 to win. I think it's 500, 600 to start. No, it was, it was well more than that. Was it thousand to start? I think. Oh. And it? then they had contingency money Yeah, that's a, that's throughout, nice. throughout the whole yeah. thing. Oh yeah. It, I mean, we're it, talking, it's becoming a huge show here. Yeah. 40, 50 cars. It's, it's great. So awesome. um, it's a big enough show that you want to be involved, but I just, like I said, I'm not, I don't really race without the wing on anymore. Uh, um, just after a few of the bad wrecks with some of the kids over the last, few years i just 
And I, and I tell you, I almost had just as much fun doing that because then I, I had my son with me and I had to chase him around the track and he was just running into everybody's trailer. So, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't have to worry about it because Michael is crew chief in and you so just I hang out. Just, I kind of just like being part of a car owner, you know, just, yeah, hell yeah. I love it. Well, we'll get ready to shut it down here. I want to, uh, we got to do picks. So who, who, who's winning this thing? Um, I'm going to just solely based off of how Kyle Lord, Kyle Larson looked in California and Christopher Bell being back at Keith Coons. I'm picking Christopher Bell. Travis. <sighs> well, I mean, you're going to pick, you're going to, I'm going to have to pick one of those two. <laughs> I, I, I I would say Larson. If I'm putting money on somebody, I'm putting money on Larson. Okay. But I'd say, like, I'd like to see somebody else win it just because I'm that kind of person, like, to yeah. see the underdog or, you know, whoever. So I'd kind of like to see, like, a Grant or a Cannon McIntosh win it. But I'd probably be more excited to see somebody that doesn't have velvet ropes around their car. That'd yeah. be the, that'd be the people, <laughs> that, 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 you know, because, you know, they have the gates that are keeping everybody away from the big name. Yeah. I want to see somebody in the back of the building win it. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I think Bell probably wins, but I'm going to pick Kofoid just to be different. And I think Kofoid yeah. had a good year. Um, and I think, you know, just he's, he has the talent. I, I like, I think this could be kind of a breakout moment for buddy. So I'm going to pick buddy just, just to be different. Yeah, no, I think that's a great pick. He's, he's kind of my low key second uh, pick for sure. Yeah. Then I'm like a Justin Grant team is Courtney. So, I mean, it's the problem is we could keep going on this conversation for. Yeah. Yeah. Hour, yeah. So. And that's the problem. Um, so for those people that are watching my version of this, uh, tell people where they can find your show. So passing points podcast, we are listed on Facebook at passing points podcast on Twitter at passing underscore points and on Instagram at passing points podcast. Uh, the show, you can find it on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon music, um, iHeart, tune in, um, all those places, pretty much all the places, except I can't get on Apple for some reason. It drives me nuts, but, um, and then we've got passingpoints.buzzsprout.com where you can find the show listed there as well. Um, that's pretty much all we're audio right now. Uh, maybe one day we'll get into the video side of things, but that's pretty much where you can find our podcast. We do it weekly. Um, we try to do it weekly. We pretty much do it weekly. <laughs> um, uh, we do weekly episodes. I think we're, we're so just doing without you, Travis. Yeah. That, though they do. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you were on our show the week out on the week. Yeah, I was it, was gone. Ju- it was just Michael and Lane. Yeah, the only yeah. the only person we actually need there is Michael. Michael's yeah. the one that does all the work. Me and Lane, I tell everybody, me and Lane show up to make sure we screw his show up. That's why we show up. But we we pretty much cover, um, you know, I know you cover everything dirt. We stick we stick mostly to open wheel. Um, you know, we got an open segment. I'll I'll try to talk NASCAR a few times and they'll roll their eyes at me. But pretty much stick to uh, world of, world of outlaws, ASCS, All Stars, USAC, Power Eye, um, some ASCS regional. Luke's all now 600 series, Terry Maddox national micro series. And then we'll uh, jump into our center state spotlight covering what's going on here in Oklahoma, open wheel racing as well. Um, but we'd love to have you guys. If, if you're out there listening to this, check us out. Uh, like I said, we're putting out content every week for you. I love it. Well, this has been fun. We have to do this again. So, but uh, thanks for the time and uh, get over to the expo. You guys got work to do. Yeah. All right, man. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, co- collab with us. Thanks to both Michael and Travis for their time. I hope you enjoyed kind of the dual collab episode we did there. If you're headed to the Chili Bowl, make sure you find the Passing Points booth in the trade show. Also, don't forget to subscribe to their show. They do a ton of stuff. They've done 93 episodes up to this point, uh, so a lot of great content from them. So make sure you check out the Passing Points podcast. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube.
For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit DirtTracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.